Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, today is going to be an amazing, amazing episode because Today's the first episode where I'm bringing in a co-host and what we want to try to do is that we want to try to cater to the STEM audience because I know that there's a lot of STEM students out there that are looking for some career development. And so what I want to first of all introduce you guys to Miguel Quinn and he was in a previous podcast where I got to interview him. And so if you want to learn more about him and his story, go check out that episode and I'll put a link to the show notes. And today we're going to be partnering, interviewing Dr. Zach Valdez, and he is the manager of career services for the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. And so this is the first of its kind. Uh, this is going to be every episode related to STEM. We'll start off with hashtag STEM. Um, and so this will be the first episode of the series. So Zach and Miguel, welcome to the show. How are you gentlemen doing today? I'm good, man. I really appreciate it. I'm excited for the, uh, for the discussion. Excellent. Same here. I'm pretty excited. Ready to go. Ready to go. All right. Well, Miguel, man, I'm going to let you ask the first question. First question. All right. Well, Zach, you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to education in your bachelor's and your PhD. If you could redo everything, right? If you go back to freshman year, what is the biggest thing that you would change? Hmm. Yeah. So I think... Going back to undergraduate, when I was doing my engineering and physics degrees, one thing that I would change was um, working more closely and developing relationships with the people that were in my courses. Um, I played soccer in undergrad, so my my like my quote unquote friends were my fellow soccer players, and we were playing D two. I was traveling with them. I was spending four hours a day with them on average, and I didn't really develop a good relationship with the other people in my in my courses. So when it came time for projects, I didn't have the relationships to build off that. And not only that, but like, as we've all grown older, I go back to my alma mater occasionally. 
And like, they're doing amazing things in advanced manufacturing and computer software. Um, one of them is like a rocket scientist. And those networks, like, we're, I can still have a conversation with them, but as you move on, those are so important in terms of, of building out and having another opportunity that may be there that you never see or that you never know about. And so that's super interesting. Let me ask you a question. What made you want to go into a STEM field in the first place? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to play soccer, man. Like I said, I went to, I went to college to play ball and I was in like AP physics and high school. And, you know, my dad sat me down. He's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I want to I play soccer. He's like, well, you're not playing soccer. Like if you get on soccer, that's great. Like, what do you enjoy doing? And I was like, well, this whole physics course is cool. I really like understanding how the world works around me. And so I joined, he was like, engineering is about you know, taking things apart and putting them back together and understanding how things uh, interact. So I did engineering for two years, took a physics course. And my physics professor was like, you know, you're doing better than the physics majors. This is only an extra year of schooling. It will help you. Um, and so they're different. Engineering is more about the external world and how things are put together and physics gets down to like the minutia and the atoms and the quarks and, and how we, how things interact that we can't see, which is really neat. Wow. So, go ahead, Miguel. Uh, no, I was going to say, yeah, it seems like you're very educational. Is that something that you sound very, I, I guess, resonate with? And you're like, wow, I need to get my PhD to really max this out. That's what kind of makes me special in a way. You know, like, so when I was in undergrad, I did um, teaching for underserved students in the San Antonio neighborhoods through the pre-engineering program. And I loved working with students. I, I love seeing it like click when somebody's like, oh, I understand what you know, momentum means or, or things or those like Newtonian laws of physics. Um, and so I was really engaged in science education, but I took a year off and I realized that I wanted to do so much more that I didn't have the skills I needed. And that's when I was like, you know what, let's go for this, this PhD. And I wanted to work in energy. So I worked in bioenergy sustainability for that. So I noticed from your background, that you did a lot of, you were involved a lot in like things to do with the government and creating policy and, and making change. Yeah. When did you realize that that's the, the route that you wanted to get into? Like more of like trying to lead the change than the practicing and practicing the craft. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been like a really social person, but I love science and I want people to, to love science as much as I do. And so when I finished, as I was finishing my PhD, I was like, you know, this, I love working in a lab and I love doing technical science, but I realized that I was much better at presenting the science than being technical and thinking about it. And so, you know, this opportunity to work in the, in the government and work at the U.S. Senate Energy Natural Resources Committee, it was an opportunity to take my PhD knowledge that I've been working so hard on and try and make policy changes um, that usually take, you know, years and years and be that technical person to kind of break down the complexity of science into something that, you know, a politician that may have gotten a, may have gotten a bachelor's in political affairs or something, you know, they don't know 
what thermodynamics is. So how do you break that down and tell them about like heat transfer or biofuels in a way that they actually care and want to interact? And so it was like a new challenge to use my science in a different way. So throughout your education and career, what's been the single best piece of advice anybody's ever given you? Whew. Be present and be thankful, right? Like, like I have been really blessed in some of the opportunities that I've had. And I, so I can take those for granted and you never should because you never know when they're going to be taken away from you. Um, and just being thankful. Everybody appreciates appreciation. Um, and just like in that realm being like genuine about it. Don't be, don't be fake and be like, Oh yeah, thanks man. Whatever. Like, if you if you really appreciate it, be like, hey, I really appreciate this. This is great, and people will see through that. And try to just remain genuine and in sort of that perspective. So, uh, tell me a little bit about like you know, different multiplication factors based on success factors, like based on the university, neighborhood, first job. Like I know that when we were talking about things to, to discuss, and what, that is something that you definitely want to make sure we covered. Yeah. Well. You know, I think it turns back to what I was just saying is like being present, being thankful, being aware of the opportunities that were given to you. Um, I was raised by a single mom. I lived on in a relatively poor area in a very affluent city. And and I was really fortunate to have good friends to, to kind of keep me online. A lot of them didn't go the same way. But, you know, the neighborhood that you were growing up with uh, dictates your ability to success by two times. And then your university, I think the university, what university you go to is three times an indicator of how successful you're going to be. So a lot of times we don't have the opportunity to go to the university we want to, or we don't think about why it's important to go to um, certain schools, but you make connections in those schools that help you along the way. And then getting your first job um, is a two times indicator of how successful you're going to be. So if you add all those things up and you were born in a really nice neighborhood with great schools, you went to a really top-notch university and your first job was at a Fortune 500, you're 12 times more likely than somebody who didn't to become successful. Now, that doesn't account for resilience, grit, something that I'm personally passionate about that I think Hispanics really do well. But we have to be in mind that these are just these are kind of baked into the system. This is society doing this for this. And a lot of it is based on sort of how you carry yourself through these things, but also the connections you make. So that it goes back to what you were saying, Miguel, is like, what would I do differently? I would have built stronger connections with the people in my courses because I know together we're going to go a lot further than if I'm just trying to do this on my own. That's awesome. And you mentioned connections. Did you have any really strong role models and mentors when you're going through your career in education? No, actually, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay anything. My mom, my parents um, helped me, kept me in line, but you know, uh, through high school, not really. And then I got into college and I just didn't relate to my professors because they were kind of super nerdy um, I was playing soccer, so I was like, why can't I play soccer and be a scientist? I think I was one of the only few STEM people in playing soccer. And so I never really fit in, and I couldn't find anybody that um, I really admired. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think from, from a STEM perspective is, I guess, what I'm meaning. 
otherwise, you know, um, I appreciate anybody who puts in the hustle, who's willing to really work hard uh, for something that they want. And, and people who are genuine, like it's, I've met maybe five people in my life who are open, honest, and straightforward when they want to, when they want something or when they want to tell you something. Um, those are kind of the people I, I, I couldn't name anybody off the top of my head, but my PhD advisor, he was a wrestler in college and then went to his PhD, did his postdoc at Rice, came to Baylor. I was his first PhD student and I admired him because he was an athlete. He had gotten his PhD. He was doing amazing research. He was starting a family while getting tenure tracked as a, as a professor. And I was just like, wow, you're really wrapping all these things together as a human being and, and still, you know, carrying on. So, yeah, I think that was pretty insightful. So, you know, just based on, you know, my work with students and even I've worked with different universities, there's four things that like they correlate to having a successful to graduating college with a successful career. And I know that you had mentioned some really awesome data points, like talking about like the neighborhood you grew up with, the college that you went to, your first job. And so I kind of want to like brainstorm like between the three of us and say, all right, if, if we're junior in college listening to this podcast, what are some things that if we did can help us multiply our chances of success? And so I guess my question to, to you, Zach, would be like, what would you suggest doing in an ideal world for a junior in a STEM field looking to maximize his chances for success after college? Join ship. <laughs> All right. No, that's fine. No, I think, I think, I mean, Miguel, maybe you can agree to that, but that's the opportunity to sort of open up all the connections that you can. I mean, I went to St. Mary's. It's a small division two college in San Antonio, Texas. Um, we get some, we get some sponsors in there, some industry partners, but we don't get the big names. We don't get Apple. You know, we weren't getting Google when I was there. Ship, ship gives you that opportunity. You can go to the national conference and speak to a recruiter. Um, so I would say that's one thing. Miguel, do you have, you have one you want to bring up? Oh, no, I got to double down. Join ship. But you got to be active in it. Go yeah. to your events, prep before you go to these conferences, and it's going to pay off. Yeah. I would tell you, so there's four main factors. And, and one of, so it is in no particular order, right? It's internships, community yeah. service, uh, join a student club. So you guys are, I, I agree. If you're an engineering student, I think, and, and you, especially particularly if you're Hispanic, I think there, this is a no brainer and yeah. then mentors. And I think yeah. um, joining ship as an organization, you, you get all those, right? You, the chances of you getting an internship, if you're involved, I mean, I think the reason why you wouldn't get one is because you're not involved, right? Because you get access to so many companies and you're going to have an advantage than the peers that go to your school particularly if you go to a smaller or medium-sized school or, or not necessarily in size of student population, but it, let's say in the top 50 or 100 universities because the top mm -hmm. companies are not recruiting at your school. Like the Apples, the Googles, the Lockheed Martins might not consider your school a core school or a target school. But when you join an organization, you go to the, the, uh, the national convention, you get access to these companies that you would not have access to before. Then you get mentors, right? St student peer mentors. If you're just joining the organization, I would then get one of the executives or somebody who's a graduating senior who has a job at a company that I want to work for and then get them to mentor me because 
80 plus percent of all jobs are filled through the, the hidden job market, which is all the referral system. Like there is internships that have been passed down over eight years in my, in the student organization that I was part of, because one that the, the student was graduating, the manager would be like, this is for Lockheed Martin. Um, who do you know that would be a good fit to take over your internship? And then they would just pass it down to another person in the same organization. Mm -hmm. So I agree. And so I want to do ask you a question, Zach, uh, knowing that you are the manager of career services for this organization. What is your vision in terms of professional development for the organization in the next coming year? Yeah. Um, you know, I want to provide more. We, we, we push for the chapters to be sort of self-reliant. We want them to sort of understand what it's like running an organization, a smaller organization but I would like to provide them more national resources to show them what's being done at Google for professional development, what has been recorded at MIT to make sure that their signatures are top notch. Um, ultimately, when you're talking about, if I'm a junior, and it doesn't matter if I'm in business, humanities, STEM, um, if I'm a junior, what can I do to increase my chances of success of an internship? Uh, and, it, and it's joining, but it's thinking about what you're gonna do in the next year that's gonna set yourself apart from everybody else in every class that you're in. So you're in a class with, you know, you're getting into your junior, senior year, there may be 25, 30 people that are in your same major, maybe more. What are you doing differently that's gonna separate you out? And so as SHIP builds out that career services platform, we wanna say like, you know, are you taking online training courses? Um, have you perfected the informational interview? What's the informational interview? The informational interview is just gathering information. It's not getting a job. It's just building that network, like you said. Um, how do you talk to recruiters? How do you follow up? Why is it important to follow up? These are things that we really want to push towards our members. Hey, Daniel here. Before we get to the second half of the episode, I want to share with you an amazing success story of David, one of the students that just gone through my academy. Enjoy. Hey guys, David here, and I just got the internship of my dreams, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the help of Daniel and the Master in College Degree Academy. Before the program, I had been looking for an internship for about two years, and I didn't get anywhere. I sent out more than 100 applications, got called back for five interviews, all of which led nowhere. Then I met Daniel who introduced me to his program and my progress skyrocketed. Uh, Daniel had, has been a recruiter. He's been out there, he knows what works. Um, he knows what recruiters like. And with those tips that he gave to me, I was able to do way better and immediately start putting you know, his teachings into practice and getting called back for interviews and offers. Um, it was wild. I'd never imagined that it would be as successful as it was. Um, if there's anyone out there that was like me when I was looking for internships and not getting anywhere, I highly, highly, highly recommend, I can't recommend it enough, that you become a part of this program. Uh, Daniel, you know, Daniel offers a, a money back guarantee. If you don't like the program or if you can't get a job, which is insane, you know, like <laughs> it gives you no reason not to do it. If your life will be better and you'll end up getting making more money because of it anyway, right? So you know what are you waiting for give it a shot it'll make your life better i promise uh thanks again to daniel and the, the awesome program that he made i owe my life and my future to him if you want me to help you reach your career goals just contact me and now let's get back to the rest of the show
a member look like when they're looking for, I guess, that that uh, that internship or full time? You know, what makes them stand out? Yeah, and and I would say personality is huge, right? So everybody's going to have the similar grades. They're going to have a similar coursework. Um, it's looking at, you know, are they a good fit for the company? Um, some companies want somebody who's a little more, in, depending on the job. Some companies want somebody who's going to sit at the desk, who's going to write the code. Some companies want somebody who can go up and talk to their supervisor for 20 minutes about whatever it may be. Um, and that's when it goes back to, like I said, be genuine. If you're not an extrovert, don't pretend you're an extrovert at your, at your interview. Um, if you're really good at, at coding, say, you know what, I've developed these coding programs. I've built this small system. I'd love to, you know, get you offline and show you what I've built. Um, but it's, 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 it's a lot of personality, unfortunately, when you're having that interview and saying like, are you receiving these questions? Have you prepared for these questions? I mean, they're all the same. Tell me about a time when you've had a issue with uh, someone else. Tell me about a time when you've gotten over a problem or a project where there was a, a major malfunction. Preparing for those questions, you know, is, is, is key too. What advice do you have for, you know, students that are introverted who are maybe afraid of joining a student organization because just out of their comfort zone? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if y'all can tell on this or if this will be video broadcast, but I'm relatively fairly complected. Um, and so, and, and I was even, you know, I, I remember doing tamales with my grandma and, and I've done all that um, during Christmas time. But, you know, when I went to St. Mary's, it's predominantly Hispanic and I did not feel Hispanic enough. It was so weird. I don't know why, like, what's it called? Um, um, not like you're when you feel like you're somewhere you don't belong to be uh imitation or i, I forget uh, the imposter syndrome yes yes so i had i had like hispanic imposter syndrome and i'm like why <laughs> why because of the color of my skin or because i didn't speak great spanish so um going into ship i was like man like i don't even know if i like do i get to qualify is there like a test i need to take um and, you know, I think the whole thing is just, like, find somebody you're at least partially friends with, and they're not going to kick you out. They're not here to be like, no, sorry, man, you, you didn't pass the test. Like, you can't roll your R's. Um, and like I said, even if you're not Hispanic, like, you, the most important thing you can do in college is, like, build your network with people who are like you, but also people who aren't like you. Because right now we have such a divided global economy, but especially domestically, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, you're either in my tribe or you're not in my tribe. And, and I don't think ship's trying to do that at all. So I would say like, make sure that you just build that relationship with everybody. No, you like soccer. So that's, that's pretty Hispanic in my eyes. And I think we're all wondering what soccer team would you play for if uh, you made a pro? Oh man. Um, you know, I'm from Dallas originally, so I would love to be like, go back home and play in front of a hometown crowd. Uh, I mean, being realistic, I would love to go and play in like the Spanish leagues for, you know, Real Madrid or something like that. I don't think I have the, the patience for the English game quite as much. That's excellent. Zach, man, is there anything, any question you wish we would ask that we didn't? Um, 
you know, I think the the main thing is like, like what I think about this all the time, and it's like you you kind of brought it up, like what would you have done differently as a as a freshman or as a person? You know, we always think back to like what we could have done differently, like what should I have done? Um, but ultimately, it's going to work out. And that would be my advice too, is saying like, you're going to think that you're at the bottom or that you don't know how the next year is going to end. Um, I mean, I was unemployed for four months here in DC, but I had saved money. So, you know, preparing for the worst, but knowing that the best is to come. Uh, I never would have thought I'd, I'm at where I'm at now uh, based on where I started. So have a little bit of faith. All right, Miguel, you get the last question, my man. Oh, last question here? Ooh, okay. I guess what has been the proudest moment during your – it could be in your education or your career. Yeah. Um, it's funny you said that because I was watching a um, the um, Chappelle – documentary on Netflix and he was talking about like you know this is one of my proudest moments getting the Mark Twain award I was like man that's awesome that's that's something to be proud of um and I think mine happened when I finished up my PhD and I went to DC to interview for this fellowship came back I found out I, I got it like two weeks later and I went to my grandma, my grandma passed away last year, but she was 92, you know, four foot two, small grandma, typical Hispanic grandma, white hair. Tamales. Yeah, you know, like the whole thing. <laughs> so I walk into her little two bedroom house and I'm like, she lived in Waco where I went to grad school. And uh, I was like, grandma, I got the fellowship. Like, I'm great. And she's like, she didn't even understand. She was like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, grandma, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go to DC. I'm going to work in Congress. She's like, Mijo, why, why are you going to D.C.? And I'm like, well, Grandma, because I got this great – she was like, we have government here. You can do that here. Like, what does it matter? And I was like, Grandma, I'm going to get to work in the government while it's happening. And she, she didn't understand it. And then I was like, well, now that I have my Ph.D., and she was like, well, what does your Ph.D. mean? And I said, well, Grandma means that, like, I, you can call me a doctor now. And she goes, Mijo, I'm not calling you a doctor. And so she played it down and like, that's just kind of her thing. But it was the next day that my dad called and he's like, Hey, I talked to your grandma. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, she didn't seem too happy about me leaving Waco. And he's like, dude, she is so happy for you. Like she has, you have no idea. She didn't understand what was going on. And I had to explain it to her in a way that she could, but like, it wasn't when it was happening. It was when my dad told me like that, that like two generations back, is finally understanding what it means for at least my Valdez family to get a PhD, right? So that was like huge for me. That's amazing. I can really relate to that story. When you were telling it, I like emotionally went back to my past as I share my mom like news about, I remember telling her like, mom, I got my first internship. And my yeah. mom was like, what does that mean? You got a job? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, how much are they paying you? And I'm like, free. Like and she's like, why are you so happy to be working for free? <laughs> and then how she said, you like I was an idiot because I was gonna go work for free while I can go work at, at Universal Studios where I was already working part time and yeah. make money. And it was it's it's under like it's it's one of those challenges that you know 
if it wasn't for your grandma and the sacrifices I'm sure she made for your family, like you wouldn't be where you are. And I wouldn't definitely not be where, where I am without my mom and all her hard work. Yeah. And then you're making strides because I knew that the internship would open so many more doors in the future. And ultimately it did. And it's, it's, it's amazing because when, once you're then able to explain to her, like that moment for you was the next day with your dad. That moment for me was in graduation when I had my job offer from PepsiCo that my mom was like, I'm sorry. I know what it meant, why, why you had to do that. Because if, if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have gotten there. And so thank you so much for sharing that story. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you are a STEM student, you need to join Shep. And if you don't have a Shep in your campus, what can they do, guys? Miguel, do you want to take this away? Oh, definitely. You should start your own chapter. I mean, you, you don't need a ton of people. You just need to start an official chapter. You just need 10 members and four people on the e-board. Submit your application and you'll be in in no time. Absolutely. All right, Miguel, last couple of words for you, man. Send it off. Oof, last couple of words. Honestly, I just want to thank Zach for coming on here. I love those answers. I, I was really entertained and I learned a few things myself. So thanks so much, man. Awesome, of course. Glad to help. Thanks, guys. And everybody else, catch you guys on the next episode. my friend congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast in the age of short attention span this speaks volumes of you so now if you found value in this episode that i am sure you're going to find value in the mastering college to career academy so if you want to learn more a little bit about the academy go to mastering or just send me a message thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode